There's shirt shit. This is so stupid. What do you mean? We went look at the fucking same guy. That's what we Dude, do on these mock drafts. We we have we provide dress codes. Sometimes the guests, uh, you know, sometimes they abide by it. You're the first one out of the last two that actually went with it. Right, White hat, right, yeah, green yeah. shirt. We're both married to the same woman. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Our, our fitness band on right now. Who wore it better? We need to know. Yeah. All right. What's cracking? It's Monday for you guys. It's Thursday night for us. We even got the flat, fucking trap flexes. Let's go. There's a lot of energy going on right now. We're filming this on Thursday night. It's about 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Y'all are going to see it on Monday because we do one of these mock drafts every single Monday. And here today, I am joined with Mr. Nate Liss. He is one of my favorite individuals within the fantasy dynasty space. One of my least favorite individuals in general, once we get outside of the dynasty fantasy yes. space, he knows that already, but we keep it, we keep it real here. So we're going to do a four round rookie mock draft. Now we're doing a one quarterback draft. Cause I get yelled at a lot in the comments that people need to see these ones, you know? And I think my quota is like doing like one per off season where it's a one quarterback mock draft. And I know if I don't force myself into doing it, then I'll never do it. And I was like, Nate, you know what? I'm just going to force it upon you. You don't have a choice right now. This is my dojo. We look exactly the same. Maybe a little less hair coming through the front of the hat. Uh, Nate Liss, wonderful content going up on his YouTube channel. His socials will be linked down below. If you're looking for more Dynasty content in your life, really high quality, high production, high research value type content, look no further than an outraged Jew. Nate, what's going on, baby? Thanks, man. It's got to be awkward saying that out loud. I appreciate you bringing me on. I appreciate you going pre-show and changing the shirt that you had to the shirt that I'm wearing don't, so we can look the this. same. Don't no, do it. I, pull, I pulled you, up. I pulled you, up looking like a snack. You did. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh, no, man, I appreciate it. Yes, uh, YouTube, man. I try to make a, a lot of content that I put uh, probably too much time into at times. I mean, see a lot of guys out there that are ripping a ton of content, and sometimes my research becomes overwhelming. But uh, for those of you that go check it out, I think you'll see the uh, the details in the effort, man. Um, I look forward to it. Truth be told, uh, Nick offered a super flex or one QB option. I said a flip of the coin. Uh, he said, well, now you don't get to choose. I'm choosing. And then he selected the coin. Movie. I said, I made my own coin. And both of them say heads. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> choice right. on this. All right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let, let, yeah. Let's just let's just hang out for a little while. And, sure. and you have uh, a conspiracy theory that I told you to wait until we were on oh, yeah. the camera for. Are we going to wait? Is this like football related that we yeah. should wait for the guy's pick? Uh, listen, and then we talk about it. I think it's I think it's football related. And I think it's best to bring up when Kayshawn comes up because he will inevitably come up at some time. So if you want to do the show pause at that point, we can do it. Uh, but yes, uh, it is a football related so, semi conspiracy, semi debunk. I, I, I think I might know what you're referring to. Um, maybe not. I did see like a random Twitter comment from someone who's very high up in the NFL world about some of the, uh, maybe issues he's been dealing or was dealing with in his life that could have led to, no, I'm not even going unrelated, bro. No, this is see, I, I'm, I'm as much of a nerd as they get when it comes to data. And this is, this is just a, this is a minor clerical error in the data that has caused people to necessarily prop up a lot of players, probably more so than they deserve to be. Uh, so Keishon Booty, he was like 24 when he enrolled at LSU, is what you're about to tell right, me. Right, right. We're going to go. We're pulling birth certificates on this episode. I don't put nothing past you, Nate. You, you know what? You're, <laughs> the, right. you're the king of the breakout age over here. I will jump in because you, you've you know, you've know built apps. You've gone through a lot of numbers. You're building something right now on DynastyRankings.com. 
you try to get as predictive as possible when we talk about prospects. Uh, just a very baseline question. Have Is there anything glaring to you in your years and years of research uh, with this data that stands out as far more predictive over other people? It could be a statistic. It could be something with size. It could be with draft capital. It could be, you know, what their name of their mother. It doesn't really matter. It could yeah. be what color shirt they wore on a live stream with me. Anything that stands out that makes one player more likely to break out the next level than other players. Believe it or not, uh, since we're doing a show about prospects, believe it or not, the most obvious one of all of them. Take a guess with the most obvious translation from college to the pros, and this is with almost every position, the highest correlator across all of them to future fantasy points. What is it? Uh, I would have to say bench press reps probably, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's dead shrug. on. However, how yeah, dude, how you, you shrug? You shrug a um, lot. It's got to be draft capital, right? No, it's fantasy points per game. At, fantasy at points per level. game at the college level is the highest mm. single correlator to fantasy points per game at the NFL level of any of them. So it's it's intuitive, but yeah, I mean, draft capital is clearly the greatest predictor for future opportunity, right? Like, because I mean, a lot of guys get first round capital and then don't fire. Then we get guys that get no draft, draft capital whatsoever and they do fire. Um, sure. But yes, so no, fantasy points per game. Like if you were going to lean into a single metric, that would be it at the collegiate level. I, I mean, it seems silly, but it's an absolute fact. Okay, so Deflating. fantasy points per game at the college level. Yeah. Now that's across all positions. That's basically across all positions. Yeah, even at the quarterback position, you're seeing a I'm more interested in like, what about like tight end? Tight end, is it as strong there? Because I feel like a lot of the dudes who break out at tight end at the NFL level are, you know, they're athletic. I don't think like being athletic is the way to be. I, most of the best ones are athletic, but just being athletic does not make you one of the best ones. It feels yeah. like a lot of the dudes who are up there don't really have a ton of like pile uh, compiled up statistics uh, at the college level. Is it so? So tight end still yeah. falls into that category? No. No, so tight tight end's actually a different one overall, which is funny. So at the at fantasy points per game is still a really high uh, ranking metric in terms of correlation. Um, but for the tight end position overall, it's it's simply just receiving yards and market share of receiving yards are seriously like the two biggest amongst that group. And then when we look at athleticism for them, surprisingly, broad jump is a really high correlator to future fantasy production as well as speed scores. So those are probably the two that you would look at amongst the combine performance. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I need to, who, who amongst the tight ends this year? I mean, their class fucking, they ripped at the combine this year. Um, but they have a lot of guys again, that like didn't do a ton in college. So I guess I question like they're, you know, if they're not producing, but they're uh, like Zach Koontz, for instance, right. Has the yeah. three years at, Penn State where he doesn't do I actually heard a conspiracy theory about Zach Koontz that I'm going to fucking drop right now for you this feels like it's fake news but I heard it on like a semi-reliable maybe a semi-reliable podcast I don't even care if it's fake lie to me I don't care all right I'm gonna straight up lie to you because I don't actually believe it so apparently Penn State in 2018 offered scholarships to three tight ends and whoever the first two were to accept the scholarships were going to be the ones that enrolled at Penn State as their tight ends on scholarship they gave a scholarship to Pat Fryermuth, they gave one to Zach Kuntz, and they gave one to Kyle Pitts. And apparently, Pat Fryermuth and Zach Kuntz were the first two to, you know, accept it. And Kyle Pitts, you know, the rest is obviously history. But weird how that works. Weird how a lie is that crazy, you know? Weird how I'm yeah. just making things up and I can make it as crazy as I want to. But Is I, that a lie? I, I can't confirm nor deny if it's a lie or uh, who I heard it from. <laughs> 
I didn't make it up from my brain. My brain is very big. It's vast. It has a lot of knowledge. It has a lot right. of lies and rumors right. circulating within it. That one did not come from here, though. Makes sense. No, that's interesting. Um, Yeah, I think that the tight end position as a whole, like, and we're going to get into it in this. Uh, I, I'm not a huge proponent of the tight ends. I mean, most tight ends that have hit at the NFL level are almost not predictable. Like, you, you could have thrown a dart and hit the guy that was going to break out. And many of the guys that we've expected to break out don't. The duration of time it takes to break out takes forever. Um, but at tight end, yeah, I think we're always throwing darts the most athletic players just year year over year. And even in this class with a handful of these guys, as you just mentioned, one right there, like it, they're they're not players that I'm I'm reaching for because I feel like tight end as a whole is often devalued. Unless you're in tight end premium, which I still don't know the settings of this. Is this one QB tight end premium? What are we what are we doing here? Don't I'll let you know like midway through the third round. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's good. That's no, good. Well, we're I doing have one quarterback, him. one quarterback. We'll do uh regular tight end scoring, half PPR. Half Everything PPR? is half. It's all half PPR. Wow. Fuck. I don't even know how I have to rework my brain to do half PPR. Do you it's play not, in half PPR leagues? I've, I literally only play in half PPR leagues. That's so weird to me. That's so different. I just, it's, it's as weird as us wearing the same outfit right now. We're the same. Just our brains need to work on the same level right now, Nate. I'm mind melting right now. Um, yeah. So the, the right, never mind. We're switching three quarterback league. Three. Uh, three <laughs> they call it a, su a super duper flex. A super duper gonna... flex. <laughs> All right. No. Fuck it. Let's. Uh, you ready uh, to draft? Uh, fuck, man. I mean, yeah. Whatever you want to do. I gotta. I got my sleeper pulled up right here. Yeah. I think. Um. I think I'm ready. I selected the 103 for no real reason. I was gonna sandwich myself between you and Cody, and then I thought, nah. Fuck it. I don't want to do that. All right. Uh, let's kick it off then. As you see, we have 12 beautiful members in here. Uh, we've got some notable names outside of myself and Nate, I believe. Cody Carp is always in here. His kid mm. fucking mocks more than anyone I've ever seen before. Uh, we've got a couple other player profiler people that reached out via the DMs. Uh, nice. Maddie, I believe. And uh, nice. yeah, whatever. One quarterback, half PPR. I'm in the five spot. Nate is in the three spot. And we are ready to rip. Cool. Even warm it on the clock. 60 seconds, isn't it? It is <clears throat> perfect. You think I was about to sit here for fucking two minutes, uh, 48 picks? I like a I like a 28 minute clock. Really let it marinate. You want to do a long draft, an overnight draft? <laughs> yeah, let's do a slow draft via email. We'll all just send it back and forth. <laughs> no, man, these uh, these mocks have been, you know, obviously uh, a lot of people are looking to consume mocks right now. I haven't made any myself, so <clears throat> it's good to uh, good to get on here and see where we're all at so Bijan yeah, i'm excited for the first person to like I, there's going to be a quarterback picked within the first five picks i feel like Someone's oh right back on me what's up with my shit why what oh okay here we go so i'm up you good yeah you're up so yeah, we, got yeah, Bijan, yeah, we got we got jackson i mean uh you know i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go jameer gibbs here um especially in one qb i mean see this is what's interesting i was gonna kind of predict how this draft was gonna play out uh, I'm pretty sure Anthony Richardson's going to be the first QB to go. And I'm expecting to see Richardson go probably in the next. I mean, what? You think I won't take him right now? I might, I would take I'm, him. If you say blame six you. or later, I would take him just to spite I, you. I won't, I wouldn't blame no, hold you. Up. For, hold up. Let's, let's yeah. talk about this real quick. Yeah, As I said, yeah. these, these peasants are going to have to wait. So you go Jameer Gibbs at three. Yes. Um, 
you're a fan of Gibbs, clearly, if you're taking him over what I think is kind of like a tier of the top wide receivers in Jackson mm-hmm. Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, however you want to order them. He's no fine. concern yeah. of him being under 200 pounds. No, I don't think so because with Jameer Gibbs, I- I'm selecting Gibbs under the understanding that whatever team drafts him understands the way that the NFL works today and he's going to be used more as a hybrid pass catcher, something that he truly excelled at um, at the collegiate level. You know, one of the concerns with Gibbs, of course, is that just sort of the low rushing volume, only 33% of the team rush attempts went to Gibbs. That's much lower than what we've seen out of some of the other top backs in this class. But, you know, uh-oh, somebody's picked. Did you already pick? What happened? You want pauses? Oh, you took Johnston. You're, you're um, good. You're good. You're yeah. good. You're good. So, no, I, I took him here because one of my other concerns right now, uh, JSN is clearly the guy I want. If he was there, I would have taken him over Gibbs. Um, but with the clock on running backs, essentially by the time you hit the end of that deal, Um, If you're not getting that second contract, you look at a lot of these guys, man, they lose value in dynasty Um, that, you know, a lot of times they're not getting uh, extensive second contracts that are very big. A lot of these guys concession for contracts. Many of the guys that got contracts this year may get. It's brutal. Oh yeah. And who knows where they land? Look at how many running backs are coming in. You think Miles Sanders is safe. You think any of these guys are still safe? I mean, no chance. Even Miles Sanders, like you see the contract come in. It was like four years, 24 million. You're like, wow, Sanders got a massive deal. You're like, it's not really that fucking big. Like if you look at any other top tier running back that got a deal over the last three years, they all got heavy bags. And I think all the fucking GMs and execs are like, we can't give out those types of contracts. They, they go, they go sour. They go fucking quick. They go bad. Like a fucking avocado out here. And we're like, we can't keep giving these contracts out here. You know, Miles Sanders, the the 25 million over four years, 6 million a year is nothing. That's like punter money. It's kicker money right there. man. so it's, it's ugly. That that's what makes me nervous about. I know Gibbs is Gibbs is young, uh, wildly explosive. I get a little bit nervous about him being undersized. I get it though, because he'll probably get. You know, there, there's there's like there's the you could take the sample size of just running backs who are under 200 pounds and be like they usually don't hit. But if you windle that down to like running backs under 200 pounds drafted in the first two rounds, which he probably yeah. will be. Then yeah. the discussion gets a little bit different. Then the the numbers start to go a little bit more towards in his direction, which I I can get the case for. We'll have to see where he ends up landing. Um, yeah, I want Quinn Johnson. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, not. go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, draft capital is clearly everything, but Jameer Gibbs has he has all the requisite. If he was fifteen pounds heavier, it would be unquestioned, be right there neck and neck. But the fact that he is lighter, and it is a concern at the NFL level, but I think more so, uh, if the expectation for Gibbs is that he's going to be some between the tackles grinder and he's going to carry some massive amount of workload in the rushing game, which we're hearing guys like Austin Eckler say they don't want guys like, you know, Josh Jacobs have, you know, said that they want to tune it back a little bit. I mean, even these runners just don't want that level of workload because they know it diminishes um, what they have in terms of the long term. All right, back on the clock. Let's see who's taken. Yeah, for me, I, I I do have Gibbs slightly behind that first tier of wide receivers. Draft capital might shake things up. I went I went with Quentin, Quentin Johnson because I, I do feel like he is the last guy in that tier of top tier wide receivers. Had I chosen six, I think gets a little bit more difficult for me. But Johnson feels like a dude who's going to get crazy high. I, I think he's an underrated player. Uh, in terms of the betting market to be the first wide receiver off the board. If, right. if Houston takes him at 12 with their second pick, would not be surprised whatsoever. If he goes top 15, would not be surprised whatsoever. And at that point, I'm probably not taking a, a round two running back, a round three running back, even in a great landing spot over a dude like Quentin Johnson, who I feel like has all the tools, has all the athleticism to start putting it together. Um, after Quentin Johnson at 105, we've got Charbonnet, Zay Flowers, Michael Mayer, Jalen Hyatt, Kendrick Miller, C.J. Stroud, Sean Tucker, 
Anthony Richardson, Tajay Spears, Josh Downs, Devon A. Chain, and I'm up at 205, and I have a good idea. Do you have a We're good idea right talk here. about some of these picks. Well, if you look at Sleeper's board right now, they suggest, you know, the next ADP player, the next ranked player. If you could see who's atop that board, Kayshawn mm-hmm. Booty. And I'm thinking to myself, do I want some booty on my team? I'm not a titty guy. I like the booty. I want to add him to the squad. But I know you are out here spitting conspiracy theories to me about him. So I need to know what I'm about to draft. I need to I need to go into the mind of a GM right now, and I need to do the digging. Oh, my God, this one guy from YouTube knows something about Kayshawn Booty. Give it to me. What do we got? Right. So here's the deal, man. So there's there's a really interesting thing that's going on uh, with breakout age, especially amongst this group right here. Um, you often hear breakout age is cited when we talk about the top prospects in you know college sports, right? When we look at running backs and we look at wide receivers, breakout age is literally everything. But did you know that this year, and this is some data that was put together by somebody else, but it's not been talked about, and I've been looking into it a lot, that this year is the highest year of all time of age 18 breakouts. The average prior to this season was about a 9% average of players entering the draft that were age 18. This year, it's 23.5%. Why do you think that is? Uh, Something to, did it have to do with the COVID year? It did. It had to do with the COVID year. The COVID year. Oh, we're getting into COVID conspiracies. Dude, we're getting into COVID conspiracies on the, it's on the twisted channel. Saying, everything. We've political got guys. Channel. Yes. No, you are now. We've got guys that are being gifted uh, age 18 breakout ages for having three games played. We had teams that didn't play. Mm. We had teams that played five games. We had teams that played nine games. We had guys that couldn't practice on the same field w- without masks. They had to be separated in rooms. The conditioning was worse. Like, And, and then here's the other thing that supports it. Very if, interesting. You, if you go back to the year prior to this, it was a 14% age 18 breakout was still a 5% higher than the average. So over the last two years, so I look at a guy like Kayshawn, I look at what he did as a freshman. I look at the year that everybody keeps going back to, and I go, well, that was the year that everything was upside down. That was the year that everything was backwards. Then we look at all the production since then we look at all the off field issues. He's just not necessarily a guy that I'm interested in, despite the fact that the league and mock drafts are still showing him with day two capital. I'm just not that interested in Keishon Bouti when I look back and I especially look at this data and I'm going to be a lot more critical about breakout age probably for the next year or two beyond this. Yeah, that's a super fair point that I didn't even really think about. And it's tough because even, I mean, he played 10 games that year, but it's still a pretty limited sample size and he didn't break out in a crazy way. And then the next year, most of his production came via like receiving touchdowns. And this is something that I've noticed over the years that like when there's a player who breaks out at a very young age, the first thing I do is check what percentage of that production came from receiving touchdowns versus actual uh, receptions and receiving yards. Cause when the majority of that stuff comes from touchdowns, we know it's a fluky stat and that's something that you can't really follow up with. That's something that, you know, if that's where the majority came from, like a Terrace Marshall, you know, his old teammate, like that tends to be something that, Steers you the wrong way for the most part. So, okay, Sean, Boutte, we're going to move off of him at this point. But I do actually want to cover – we saw two quarterbacks go off the board. Yeah. And this is the reason why I wanted to do a one-quarterback draft because I wasn't sure when these guys would start ripping off the one QB leagues. And we've seen this, like, shift in regular redraft leagues where now everybody's starting to value the high-end quarterbacks early enough. I think in redraft leagues this year, just straight-up season-long leagues, I think we're going to see five quarterbacks picked in the top 30 picks. I think we're going to see Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, uh, Burrow. I'm probably missing someone else, but maybe Lamar Jackson. Like, someone else, there's going to be somebody, uh, a, a group of four or five dudes that go wildly high in one-quarterback redraft leagues. Now, I think people are going to start, you know, thinking that same way 
when they're looking at one quarterback rookie drafts. And we have CJ Stroud at one eleven, Anthony Richardson at two two one. I have been pretty vocal that in like super flex drafts, Richardson is the three for me. I just don't think he's a great. He is a thrower. He is not a good passer. Right. He is. He is an athlete that throws the ball. Not a great passer. Super flex. I want to be less risk averse in that sense. One quarterback leagues, these are the guys that you want, right? The reason right. that you draft a quarterback that high in a one quarterback league is because you're just getting upside and you could replace a dude if he's not playing well. So I would actually throw Richardson probably above like CJ Stroud. What kind of upside does he have? I don't care about that in super flex. Give me 18 points a game and I'm feeling good. In one quarterback league, you're leaving a lot of meat on the fucking bone. If you have a 17, 18 point per game guy, while everybody else is just shooting for upside strictly. So 111 for C.J. Stroud feels kind of crazy, I guess, you know, depending on how you feel about the players that go after him. I don't know. How are you feeling about, like, how early Stroud went and then Richardson at the 2-1? You were saying, like, you wouldn't yell at people if they were going 1-6, 1-7, 1-8 with Anthony Richardson, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, I think – did we say this was tight end premium, by the way? Can I clarify this real quick? All half PPR. Okay, so Mayor went way too high, by the way. So, with that being said, yeah. uh, Anthony Richardson is a guy that, like, with what his legitimate upside is, we look at, you know, the, the, the best rushing profile quarterbacks here of the last, you know, five, eight years. His upside is greater than any other quarterback in this draft. Like, if, if we're looking ceiling versus ceiling, which in one QB we are – um, I would assume anybody in a rookie draft uh, playing one QB, uh, you obviously already have quarterbacks, whether you're going with low end guys, you're going with mid guys. To me, I would have, uh, I would have appropriated Anthony Richardson over Stroud because to me, Stroud, though he may be a good quarterback at the NFL level, the upside is just not the equivalent of what we're going to get from Richardson. So I agree. And I wouldn't have been mad. Uh, I would, I would be open to take him over Zay flowers. I would have been open to take him over mayor. I, my line probably would have been right after Charbonnet. That's probably about where I would have been on board because again, you can't replace running back production as easily in one, you know, one QB, you can replace QBs all day, but yeah. the running back is always going to have a scarcity. So for me, based on the draft that I'm seeing one seven would have probably been my line um, where I would have been open to him. Obviously he didn't make it back to me at two, three, or I would have taken him. I think that makes sense to me. I don't, I don't think I personally do it. It makes sense to me though, based on the fact that like half of the dudes on the board right now are absolute black box prospects. Like we have no idea what we're half of them didn't do the combine. We have no idea. Like it, Sean Tucker, if he goes to the combine, runs a four three three. You know, we're expecting third round capital, and we feel pretty good about him. Doesn't go to the combine, holding his own fucking pr fake pro day. You know that he posts on Twitter, and now it's like fifth or sixth round capital. Mate, like it, all of these guys have something weird about their prospect profiles that we are not going to be able to clear up until the draft actually happens. So it's right. like Anthony Richardson feels at least. I feel I don't feel grimy taking him in a one quarterback league that early, where I feel there's a little bit of grime left on my body anywhere else I go. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you're going to be scrubbing barnacles off of yourself if you draft <laughs> half of these guys. I mean, real the reality of the situation is I can't remember a draft class that was more littered with undersized wide receivers and undersized running backs that, like you said, didn't test. When we go look at the – I got to go back and look at this if I'm right about this. I believe the agility drills at the running back position, was it only Evan Hull and someone else – yeah, they never do it. They didn't do it yeah. at all last year either. And they were like, oh, it's because they had the drills at like 8 p.m. at night after the whatever. And then they just didn't do them again this year. Yeah. So so you've got a lot of like question marks all over the place. But the reality of the situation is that's just sort of adding context to what it is that we should already know about players. I mean, if you were playing in the SEC, like Bijan Robinson, I'm not sure he had to test for us to go, man, this guy looks on paper like the most dominant runner in the class. And on tape, he looks a speed faster than people and he looks strong. Longer and just it, some of these things are to me are intuitive. Some of them do need a little more clarity, like Kayshawn. I mean, Kayshawn fell off the face of a fucking cliff. And for yeah. whatever reason, people 
are hanging on to him because of that age 18 breakout, which by the way is totally falsified. They're hanging on to that for dear life, but there's like, what else is in the profile? Like why? So if he gets second round draft capital, dude, I've seen guys go in the first round and fail, right? We've seen John Ross was a top 10 pick. He flopped miserably. So yeah, it was tough. it's not, it's draft capital. Draft capital is a signal of how much a team likes you as a prospect and how much they're willing to invest in you in opportunity. It's not a guarantee of success. Like that needs to be continued to be repeated. It's not a guarantee of success. And I think we know enough about a lot of these players, um, as you mentioned, I have plenty of concerns. So with that being said, Anthony Richardson in this format to me is a guy that I'm totally open to because even if he flops, fuck it. It's one QB. I, I can survive it because I really don't believe that if we if we go beyond the one seven here, I mean, realistically, like how many of these guys do you think are going to end up being elite assets in the league? Dude, I, I legitimately think you're on the clock, by the way. You got 40 seconds. Um, fuck this clock. I legitimately think that this class uh, as a whole is terrible. And I think I like people, people in, in fantasy, like never want to say that about anything, about any player, about any class, this class feels disgusting. Like, I just don't think we're going to get a lot of good fantasy players out of this. And it's like, sure, we'll get a lot of good players as deep. It's like, fam, I don't want to use my 111 on a guy who's going to be like the RB22 or the RB27. You know what I mean? Like, I want good fucking players, and it feels like this class runs out of good players very quickly. Was that an auto pick? No, that was not an auto pick. That was a human That was a human selection. Um, That's fine. That's I'm fine with the pick. You just made a reaction as if, like, no, I told no, you you I were just, on the clock, and then you said, fuck the clock, and I, then auto pick. That was my face. I was like, I can't believe we're wearing the same outfit. That's what went through my head. I was like, how, <laughs> I was like, how the fuck did we do this? Um, No, I yeah, I, I actually don't mind a band of canda there. But, uh, no, I think you're right. I think the, the ultimate concern here is that the bus potential right now um, and I don't want to fucking throw up the the red alert in the sky, but like I feel like the bus potential is just really high right now. And we've convinced ourselves through the duration of multiple really great draft classes that we can see through the eye of the storm that like, hey, no big deal. Like I trust, you know, analyst X, I trust whatever. And I'm like, I'm very much like a truth teller in the sense that like, I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass. Like I don't want to pretend like guys are good when they're not. And there's just, here's the thing, when, when in the history of us doing dynasty and fantasy football, have we gotten behind a guy that's 175 pounds at a wide receiver? We used to shame the shit out of that. We're doing now it for like five separate dudes this year. You know, it's Josh Downs, it's Tank Dell, it's fucking Marvin Mims. It's like the, the list never ends and it's Jaden Reed. It's a lot of guys that I like too, admittedly, but it, it's the fact that we're lacking so much high-end talent that we're needing to push them up a tier where if they were in any other year, we would be like, I love these guys as like late fourth round rookie picks. And now it's like, I might have to use my fucking 211, 3-1 on a dude whose profile screams 4-1, 4-4, right. 4-6 like that. So it's like kind of gross. I do want to circle back to the tight ends though. I took really Dalton Kincaid at 2-5. Do, yeah. do any of the numbers or any of the stuff that you looked at so far this year, like pinpoint any players in particular that you like at the tight end position, would you be going anywhere near early to mid-second round or even higher to look at your mayor, Kincaid, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, any of those guys? I don't think so. You know, uh, the thing for me, even with first-round draft capital, I mean, just go back in time, Noah Fant, uh, who was it, Dave, David Njoku, O.J. Howard. Like, it, it's not necessarily, again, a guarantee, and it's even more so difficult at the tight end position. It's really a dart throw. You know, the thing for me, again, we talked about it, you know, receiving yards, market share of receiving yards, two most high-correlating factors, because, again, guys like Kittle, have risen to absolute prominence. 
Rob Gronkowski was kind of an obvious one for draft capital on the surface. But like the, the big thing for me here, I'm going to throw this out to you. This is this is one of my biggest concerns with the tight end position this year. Um, we saw this happen back in the day with Antonio Gates. We've seen it since then with Rob Gronkowski, and I'm hearing it now with Travis Kelsey. Everybody thinks that whatever tight end goes there is going to be the guy who is the predecessor of X tight end. Would we ignore the fact that those guys were absolutely elite and the history of the tight end position is so narrow and so difficult and takes so many years. We've got to quit convincing ourselves that tight ends, this savior tight end is the next man up. It's never been that. I mean, where was where was the next Rob Gronkowski in New England? Every player right? that ever went there was apparently going to be the next. Yeah, I don't. I, I definitely do not buy into the mantra. Like, there's no system tight ends. I don't think there ever has been. I think just the best players at the tight end position are the ones that end up being really good for fantasy. So it's like right. there's never no. There's not a next Gronk. There's not a next Kelsey. There's not a whatever. There's just the first of this guy at this on this team. It's just the team happens to end up drafting a really good player ends up breaking out, and then everyone wants someone to be the next one. That being right. said, if Don Kincaid goes to fucking Kansas City, my traps are going to tear from the amount of flexing I do that night. <laughs> oh, shit. You I'm got 10 seconds. Clock. You're on the clock. I have 10 seconds. Hold on. Can we pause? You've been me? on the clock. I'll pause. Yeah. I'll, I didn't know nobody told me I was on the clock. Have you ever uh, thought about looking at the fucking draft board while you're drafting? I didn't even know there was a board. I've just been are here. Are you not in sleeper? What are you doing? What do you mean? How are you, how are you drafting if you're not looking at the I board? I paid somebody to remotely draft just so we could have casual conversation. Oh, that's why your draft has been so bad. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I've now that hurts my feelings because I was drafting. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, now that I'm absolutely on the clock here, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the guy that I want, then I'm going to tell you to hit the button to unpause it, and then I'm going to select him. All right. That I'm ready way. It's a legitimate selection. Oh, I fucking hate this whole draft. The, everything about this is just absolute dog shit. All right, go ahead. Good, good, good. Go. Whoa. Oh, nice. That's who I was going to go with. I like that. Goddamn um, right it was. Let's. I want to circle back to this yes. third round of running backs. You took Izzy Abanaconda. I took, uh, is it a Abanaconda? For some reason, I have so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, Kanda. it's yeah, Chase Brown. Then we have Dwayne McBride. Uh, I'm not even sure. Ty, Ty J. Evans, Deuce Vaughn, Kenny McIntosh, Evan Hull. We have this whole group of guys, again, black boss prospects that like either didn't perform at the combine or were worried about their draft capital. Is there anyone in that group that you identify like you're like talent wise? It's there. If he, you know, if he gets the draft capital, he goes to a good landing spot or whatever. I'm be, I'm going to be pulling the trigger far higher than wherever he is right now. Is there anyone that like jumps off the board that you really, really like in that group? Yeah. Am amongst that group for me, uh, Ty J Spears is definitely like the guy that I'm, I'm the most a fan of when we look at just the, well, he went, he went two two. I'm talking about like the third round. Oh, oh, third. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, like uh, where you and yeah, me both got our, our mid-round guys. Uh, Brown is one of those guys. Like the fact mm -hmm. that he's 23, God. I don't really love it, but the athleticism's ridiculous. We saw a 60.4% uh, rushing workload last year, 4.14 yards created after contact. The thing was, he had a super heavy deployment of outside rush attempts. I think he was in the upper 60% uh, percent range with that. Um, wasn't dominant as an inside runner, but what would you expect from a guy that's of that size? That's kind of what the issue here is, too, with some of these guys. 8.2% um, target share I like, but again, I think the rumor out there is kind of that people feel like his pass pro is a little weak, and plus, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's generally what I feel like about him, but I think that's the kind of guy that I'm looking at. Um, Deuce Vaughn, way too small. Macintosh, though, how, how much of Macintosh's game film have you watched? Have you uh, seen any? I've watched about five all 22 game films of like almost every prospect. I've watched he's, a good amount. He's got some of the sickest catches for a Dude, running back. I Macintosh was going to be like my guy for this year. And when he came yeah. in at the combine really small and really slow, I was fucking, I was 100% 
ready for what's his name? Todd Munkin, who's coming over from Georgia. He's now the OC in Baltimore. I thought he was for sure going to take Kenny McIntosh to pair up with J.K. Dobbins. And I was like, that was going to be problematic for Dobbins. Um, McIntosh, I, I had so much fun watching him play. I thought, I mean, the passing game, receiving wise, he's so fucking talented. Running, I mean, he's not going to be an early down thumper. Um, especially not at his size now. I thought he was slippery enough that he could have been fine if they gave him carries, but I everything about like his combine absolutely gave me the ick, and I feel like he's going to fall pretty pretty heavy in drafts. Yeah, that's that's the hard part, right? So we get this realization, that, you know, it's not it's it's the opposite of confirmation bias because we we want to confirm the fact that he's as athletic as we think that he mm -hmm. appears to be on screen. Like honestly, I feel like sometimes if you were to ask analyst to project how fast a guy is in his forty yard dash time based on what you know what we saw on film I, I think nine out of ten guys what the fuck was that sound I think nine out of ten guys um would probably get it wrong but this was a guy that even when you look at PFF man I think they graded him fairly reasonably I mean played at Georgia so it's not like the competition was was easy for him um but you know early rush attempts not high late rush attempts a lot better but I, Yards created after contact were good. Like you said, good receiver. I think he checks a lot of boxes. Just that athleticism wasn't uh, obviously not what people expected. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to end up a little later, but he's going to be a guy that I think you're going to happily add later in drafts, which I think takes the pressure off, right? Because had his athleticism been reason, let's say he ran like a, a four or five, eight, you draft him in the you know second round or whatever it ends up being, and then he totally fails. You're going to hate yourself for it, but the reality is he wasn't that fast, and we can snag him now in probably the third round of rookie drafts, depending on where he's drafted, and you can still bank on the fact that if he gets a shot, he does bring something to the table that a lot of running backs don't. Um, but again, at 204 pounds, like... <sighs> What do you do? Yeah, dude. He's just another one of those guys in this class. Comes in, Zach Evans, 202 pounds. It's like we were we wanted to be excited about them. And they gave us no choice but to go absolutely limp on them. So we have the final draft board here, full one QB. Uh, I took Sam Laporta. Why don't you uh, talk about Hendon Hooker a little bit? I feel like in a one quarterback league, he's a dude who, I mean, he was ripping off. I think almost every year in college, he had uh, around 500 to 650 rushing yards. So he's one of those dudes where in a one quarterback league, you want to take a chance on him because he has that rushing upside in the fourth round. Like we're talking about if this guy gets top 40, top 50 draft capital yep. in the real NFL draft, He's going yep. to be a top 15 pick in rookie drafts. Like he's people are not going to make that same mistake they made with Jalen Hurts and you know those types of quarterbacks where they let him fall to 212 to 32 and know that the upside is just like laying out there for him. So Hennon Hooker is another one that obviously he's got a little bit more of an uphill battle to him and he's not as as athletic as a dude like Jalen Hurts. But down at the four three and one quarterback league, I'm I'm in there. And again, when you're looking at so many prospects that are just question marks, it's like why not? Yeah, I think the concern for people is probably the, the age factor. Number one, I mean, he's certainly older uh, than yeah. the rest of the quarterbacks in this class. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's 25 years old. That's like unheard of, um, you know, coming into the NFL. But, you know, with that being said, against the competition he was facing, this is a guy that, you know, go to PFF. We look at turnover worthy play rate. Um, or throw rate, that, that was one thing where he was the absolute lowest amongst all draft-eligible players in 2023. He was a guy that was, you know, top two in yards per pass attempt. This is a guy that only threw two interceptions, 27 touchdowns, uh, propped up a couple of notable receivers over the past couple of years, guys that have been uh, revered amongst this class. Um, so he's a guy that I really like because I think that we've seen the success of Jalen Hurts out of the second round. We've seen teams... 
last year to me was really defining, right? We had one quarterback go in the first round, then we had a bunch of quarterbacks go to the third round. I, I think this year, if Hendon Hooker is a guy that goes in the second round with the NFL sort of showing how they truly feel about the quarterback position, that to me is a real investment. Now, I, Kyle Trask was a second round guy. He may get pushed out, but I think Hendon Hooker brings a lot to the table, but We've yet to really see, short of a Brandon Whedon situation, a guy show up at this age. Because you can go back, and I know the classic narrative, well, yo, he's he's 25 and he's throwing against children. Well, that's probably true, but these guys have been <laughs> playing their position for a long time. He's in a tough conference. So, sure, we can attribute some of that to his age. But um, he's a guy that I'm excited about. I know his name comes up a lot with the Seattle Seahawks, and I know he's been in the day two conversation. So, with that being said, in one QB uh, with the potential to be a starter, why wouldn't you take him there? Yeah, I mean, that's like the perfect landing spot for I, – I feel like that that's kind of been a theme of draft talk leading up. It's like, does Seattle or Detroit take Anthony Richardson in round one? If they don't, do they look for Hendon Hooker in round two? And I think both of them – it's almost like too perfect on paper that there's no chance that it fucking happens. But if it does, you know, it's time to throw a party around and we'll be all in on Hooker here. After Hooker, we had Tyler Scott, 4-4, who I'm a really, really big fan of. But again, another undersized wide receiver that we're hoping hits some sort of ceiling that's not the prerequisite for guys that are, you know, his size. Sam Laporta, I took at 4-5. Um, so I took two tight ends, but I'm not really building a team here. I'm just kind of drafting best player available. At this point, I think Laporta is one of the most underrated tight ends in this class. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, Zach Kuntz, Muhammad Ibrahim. I like Muhammad Ibrahim. He was a fun watch, but he's really fucking old. I think he played for five years. I think he's like actually 24 or 25 also. Oldest yeah. running back in this class. Um, dealt with a lot of injuries. Michael Wilson, Parker Washington, Eric Gray, Stenson Bennett. So anything in that fourth round there that sticks out to you? Um, yeah. You know, the who were we talking about earlier? It was a name you brought up. Uh, yeah, Tyler Scott. I mean, that that was, right? Was he in that round? Yeah. Was he down there? Okay. Yeah, that was one of those guys. I mean, undersized at one. Mm. You know what's funny? 185 not that undersized in this class by the way yeah I mean, it's you know what actually i i didn't realize he was not he's not necessarily like too too undersized i just well, he, he, he is he's undersized. Skinny on tape. he's small yeah, on he, tape he's undersized no you're right but like amongst this class when we have to pick through when we have to pick through just the the shit that we don't want to pick through this guy is actually like a, a beacon of hope 511 185 ran a 44 40 yard dash which was 95th percentile uh dominator rating uh dominator rating 85th percentile college target share 73rd college yards reception 76 um also a guy that was dominant versus man coverage of 3.47 yards per route run uh round two draft capital is what i keep seeing so you know amongst i'm this very much in on him he also did not play any wide receiver until he got to cincinnati fun fact for you i, I started doing like real d i was like i really like this kid i want to make sure i'm not missing anything here yeah and it was like the 2020 year he didn't play much he wasn't a wide receiver until he got into college and then as soon as he was it was like this kid fucking can ball you do it. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, you look at a profile like that. Um, this is kind of where my curiosity is. We looked at last year with the quarterbacks. We had all these guys. Everybody believed Malik Willis was, I didn't, I'm, I don't know if you did, but <laughs> everybody believed Malik Willis was going to be like a first round guy and bought in all the hype. And then we saw the way that the league valued these ancillary quarterbacks. My question is when the league is faced with a ton of slim guys at 170, 175, what are they going to do when a guy with this level of athleticism at this size is on the board? Like, I really do think that he's actually going to be vaulted above some of the players that we think may go ahead of him that are sitting in that 175 range because the league's just mm -hmm. going to go, look, the archetype doesn't work. It's too difficult to get these guys to fire. You know, there are numerous examples across the NFL, of course, but 
historically, I would deem most of those guys outliers. Like a 175-pound receiver in the NFL succeeding is is an outlier in many rights, especially if he's fantasy relevant. Yeah, that that's like always been my problem with the undersized players. It's not necessarily all of them are talented enough to be problematic on the field for opposing teams it's always like the coach cannot figure out how to use them correctly cannot put them in positions to succeed so it's like at the end of the day every player is pretty much a coin flip to to tell you whether or not they're gonna they're even like a good enough player to be you know dominating at the nfl level and then it's like another coin flip of whether or not their coach is going to use them correctly and that's where it's like you start having this compound effect where it has nothing to do with your evaluating skills it has nothing to do with you being able to tell whether or not this guy's good at football it's more so just like there's so much working against this guy so why, why not just like cut out half the risk and take a guy that doesn't have that monumental risk attached to him yeah no, you're totally right. I mean, it's a guy like Tyler Lockett. You think about when Seattle drafted him. I don't think anybody believed they moved up in the third round to get him. I don't think anybody believed that he was going to be as productive as he is. But this is also a guy you go back and watch the clips. It's funny because he'll just like go to the ground after a catch. Because I <laughs> yeah. think even he realizes like he's had injuries, right? He's had some significant ones in his career. And it's like, I think even he realizes like the value of just getting what you get and going down versus fighting through contact when you're aged. 30 and a half or when he was 28 doing it like it makes sense these young guys that are hungry that want that yak that yards after the catch a guy like marvin mims right for example a guy that's 5'11, 183 absolute beast uh, i think he had the highest yards after the catch per reception on deep targets at 13.4 top nine overall when we look at basic yards after the catch per reception like the guy is cr crazy after the catch but it's like how long can you do that before that does enough to you where you're like fuck it i have to be you know, put more thought into this, get out of bounds, get my separation, get the catch, like get what I need, get a little extra. So I wonder how the league is going to value these guys. And that to me is something I'm going to take note of. That'll go into my data. What do they do when faced with all these 175 pound players? Are, how many guys go in the third round? You know, like how many go in the second? Um, so I wonder if there's a little bit. Yeah. I wonder if there's a little bit of like the way that dynasty players are, uh, they do, you know, where we have to push these players up just because of lack of options. I sure. I feel like we'll probably see a little bit of that in the NFL, and they'll talk themselves into saying like, "Hey, this guy did it, or this guy did it." We can, um, we can figure it out. But it, it yeah, it, it certainly will be interesting to see uh, how this NFL draft plays out. I just wish there were more good football players in it. I mean, it, you know, admittedly, there will be a guy or two in here that's going to surprise us. Like this, you know, Deontay Johnson, when Pittsburgh took him, we're like, there's no fucking way. Like, who is this guy? And then he ends up being a fantasy, you know, relevant, very relevant player for a, a multitude of years. Hard to say who he is now with Kenny Pickett. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of guys in this class that, make me nervous and I'm sure probably make you nervous and, and it's difficult for dynasty gamers because if we roll the clock back a year, everybody was like, trade the picks for 2023. And this is a perfect example of how that can sort of backfire because it's not just that it's loaded with a bunch of booby traps, but it's the fact that now people are sort of been, they're woke to this, right? And so they don't want to trade for those picks. And so you've lost value on your stuff and just kind of got to ride it out, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about moving most of my, the more and more, like the more days that pass by, the more I've saw a lot of leagues where I have like three or four third round picks. And I'm like, mm. yeah, it's fun to take shots on those picks, but I'd rather package them up and 
I'd rather, you know, take two third rounders and get a late second next year and figure it out sure. then with earlier draft capital and hope that turns into something better than, than try to get cute on the clock and be like, oh, I like this guy, but objectively he's not a great prospect. So that's I'm probably going to try to move most of the picks I have. If I can't jump up into, you know, the top six or seven picks this year, I don't, I don't fucking want anyone. I don't want anyone that's not a top seven player in this draft <laughs> class. You heard it here. Never been wrong. We uh, listen. We've been wrong in the past, but we guarantee right. 100% correctness going forward. I love it, man. It's all you can do is just guarantee to be correct and just hope that you're never wrong. Like I said, that's we have a lot of lies, a lot of rumors in here. You know, <laughs> we'll never stop it's, doing. It's what I. It's what I do all the time, man. No, it's uh. Well, that was the fastest fucking draft I've ever been a part of. What do you mean? Uh, that thing 60 just seconds, sixty seconds per pick. We even paused it. Uh, you know, how many, you know how many times I pause it on you. That could have been way quicker if I didn't pause it on you. For You take 82 minutes to make a pick, and you're like, I don't even know I was on the clock. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, I had no idea that last time. But, yeah, there's <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a quick draft. But It was. No, I it, mean, it's only four rounds. Yeah, no, it's good. I think I think the rookie stuff, and I was going to say, one thing I saw Ray G do the other day, I was going to ask you, I was like, man, we should try this sometime. Um, they basically took an industry mock. And then they treated it as if that's the actual places these players landed. So they had like Zay Flowers go to this team. And, and then they drafted that, that way. Yeah, I've, I've done that many times. I've, I've done that a few times. Um, that's a I, I've done that with a guest before. It only it gets a little bit tricky because uh, what I'll typically do is I'll, I'll like take the website that it's posted on. And then yep. I'll like manually transfer it over to Excel yep. and strip out all the defensive players, send it over yep. to the person. It's just a lot of, it's, it's kind of like a lot of work to expect someone yep. to show up for your show to like really have diagnosed it and then like re-rank every player based on the landing spot. I know you would have done that for me. I know you would have started preparing oh, like three or four days ago how oh, to send it, but I wanted you to relax. I wanted you to just show up looking like me and, you know, have a good show. <laughs> well, I'm glad you showed up looking like me, but I never relax. So that's just one thing I want to make sure is clear. Um, All right. Well, if you're not relaxing, what are you working on? What do you got uh, working in, in the wings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, as you know, we're working on DynastyRankings.com. We've been working on a, uh, a really dope algorithm right now. Um, website's still being built out. So we're doing that. Dude, I just really, really and truly, I just want to make cool fucking tools, man. I want to do something that's really fun. I want to try to do something that's really unique. And, you know, you and I have had conversations offline before about stuff and i'm just trying to uh just trying to be innovative and do something that's maybe a little outside the box so that keeps me busy i keep trying to post on youtube but uh dude I, every time every day i get a post that says bdge media has posted a video and i'm like man this fucking guy is like on it it's not easy like people that don't do the youtube thing like don't know it's it's not just hard to produce content like do. the only thing i do every day thinking yeah. of content no man well it's good i got to uh I just got to get, I got to get in that mindset. So doing the YouTube thing, doing the website thing, um, and then just going and doing the data, reading stuff about this draft class. Um, so tell us a little bit more about dynasty rankings. So right now, if you yeah. go to dynastyrankings.com, you can, you know, you could send your email through and yes. it says be the first to get access to it. So all yeah. you got to do is drop your email. They'll send you an email when the site is live. And when it's live, it is a premium product in which they pay for these rankings that you've been putting together. I've obviously I know the details of it because we've talked behind the scenes yeah. uh, at quite length of, about this. But why don't you tell them a little bit more about like what they're getting and why they should go to the site and sign up? For sure, man. Um, so you know, over at the site, uh, one thing I work with a guy named Alexander McKenzie, a guy that you've met. Um, he's a, a data engineer and loves fantasy football. And we've been working for probably the last four plus months on a machine learning algorithm that really takes into account uh, what I believe and what has historically been proven to be the most highly correlated factors to fantasy points per game. 
um, to, to hit rates, to all that stuff. So we're really trying to build a tool that'll give you guys a truly accurate representation of players and their outcome. And it's going to be a machine learning tool. So it's actually predicting, it's looking ahead. Um, so it's really cool on that end of things. Of course, a lot of this technology is going to be tied into ADP data. Um, the trade calculator is going to be powered by it. Plus we have a ton of proprietary metrics. Um, this is a thing though, that's going to be rolled out in phases. Admittedly, I, I, we're two guys. It's me, it's Alexander. Um, I do a lot of the, a lot of research and a lot of items like that. Alexander's the fucking brains. Alexander's the Einstein, right? Worry, I'm, I know the feeling. Most of the times yeah. when I start projects and push them forward, I'm always like the dumb guy in the equation. I'm like, right. why are we not fucking done with this? Where is this? Why? You know, I have the vision. Yes. I'm like, get this done. Get this five-year yes. project done in the next five days. Right, dude, you're Columbus staring through a telescope. Like you, you can see the shit, but I'm not the one steering the fucking ship. So, right. uh, no, I'm heavily involved with it. Um, and so more and more information will come out. But basically, what we want to do is create sort of an all-in-one opportunity where people can come in, get dynasty rankings with a lot of really cool filters that will help you guys, depending on where your team is at in your journey of dynasty. A lot of us play dynasty and. We either have a dominant team or we have a team that's kind of in the pits or in between. And it's hard to figure out sort of where to navigate from there. So this website's going to be interactive enough to help you sort of navigate around that and make some good decisions. Um, and on top of that, we want to give people the ability to do a lot of in-depth research. So we're going to create a lot of metrics, offer a lot of metrics that you may be able to find some places, but ones that really matter, put them into a tool suite. So it's kind of going to be an all in one place, right? Like do everything in one spot, get your answers. And of course this kind of stuff will be linked to discord where you can chat with us and get some one-on-one -on -one stuff like that. So that's, all that's right. it in a nutshell, man. Very cool. Well, let's get that fucking email list bumped up for Mr. Nate over there. Dynastyrankings.com. Make sure you go sign up. They're going to be fucking dope when it drops. We will link that down below for you. If you're illiterate and can't understand dynastyrankings.com. Nathaniel, we will leave you here. Yes, sir. You look like you're becoming an outraged Jew, and I don't want you to take it out on your family <laughs> right now. Can you say that? Isn't that your Twitter name? It is my Twitter name. It's right. Yeah, I always I like to make I like to be, make people feel super awkward anytime they say it. Like it doesn't it doesn't work on me, but now no, the second time you said it, so now I'm like, wait, maybe like that's start part of the bit where he changed his name, and now he can bury people for saying it. I was yeah, like, no, no, only my people can say that, bro. No, you're in the you're in the epicenter of my people. You're fine. You're you're fine. Also, wait, fun fact, uh, my mom, yes. fully Jewish, my dad, fully Catholic. I never, I never got like, uh, you know, I never had a bar mitzvah or whatever. I got, yeah. this, this is, this is a true fucking story. Oh, let's I made, it. I made, uh, I got baptized communion and made confirmation all on the same day in eighth grade because I wanted okay. to play on the church basketball team with my friends. <laughs> and I did it all in one day and I dropped 18 points that night. Did it true, in the eyes of the story. Lord. I did it in the eyes of the Lord. All the Jews so, were fucking pissed. They were out. Yeah, they were mad, but they're like, we lost another one. Yeah, so wait yeah. a minute. We lost a top pick. We lost, <laughs> we <laughs> we lost need, a breakout age. Breakout a, Jew age. <laughs> there was a potential second round NBA Jew out there, and we lost him. Really yeah. need that. So wait a minute. So are you telling me you're half Jewish? I'm not because I went through the entire Catholic. I'm not well, religious whatsoever. I know. But like, so, but like J Judaism is like a blood. So like when I, when I go to like 23 and me and Do I, I have spit Jew in my blood. Yeah. I got, I, if I spit up right now, if I hacked something that that's, there's Jew in there. Lachaim. Well, welcome. Look I'm glad. This. Look at the fucking. No, I know. Look, I, I mean, wait, go, go turn your head sideways. Oh, definitely a Jew. Yeah. No, we can tell it's. <laughs> You you got a lot of facial features. I got blue eyes. My mom was my mom was part German, so I'm I'm only half technically. But don't tell anybody. You know I don't want to get 
Oh I won't God. tell anybody. Can't won't tell ninety three thousand uh, people. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't tell them. Congrats on that, big flex. Um, no, man. So it's good to know. I didn't. I didn't know that about you. That was a fun fact. Eighteen so now, points, yeah. by the way. How many of that came from the outside? How many were threes? Dude, I was a driver. I was. Uh, I was. I was like dominant getting into the paint. Yeah. No, you can Wasn't tell. It? Like work ethic, right? Like take your lunch pail to work. Like you're just a blue collar. I was catching bodies in the fucking paint, sir. Send me to the line. I think I actually think I went 18 for 18 from the free throw line. I think that's how I got my bucket. So, dude, what is that? That's like, that's like seven misses under the belt. Well, you might've got hacked. I don't know. Like, what do you mean misses? That's just, I got fouled. It doesn't count as a miss if you get fouled on the shot, sir. So, so you never, you never were able to actually say and one once during that game. All right. Now I'm, pissed. Now yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah, I mean, you're just like totally out of the fact that nothing, it's unfortunate to see, but because I'm a great city league basketball player, believe it or not. Legend around this area, actually. What city? What, a hmm. fake city? Fucking city of Atlantis? I don't have to tell you. <laughs> that's what I, that's what <laughs> I thought. This is, the show is ending here. Okay. I'm sweating through, are you sweating through your shirt? I got a little bit. Look at that. Wow, we do. Yeah. We know it's who that, worked harder. We know who that, we drop 18 tonight. You know who we drop 18 Your show's better. It's much darker. It's bleeding through. It's Kelly Green. All right. All right. All right. All right. We are out of here. Please go follow Nate. Please subscribe to the channel. Please go over to DynastyRankings.com. Nate, thank you for hanging out with us on this Monday morning. Anytime, brother.